welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. The best podcast no one's heard of yet. We are three <laughs> Canadians and one American, all psychotherapists, serving you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan House, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. I am Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Vancouver, Canada. I'm Chris Boyd, a therapist from Vancouver, Canada as well. I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from Vancouver and also Chris's sister, younger sister. Yes. Yes. We are all here. Welcome back, you guys. We were just talking about how we have a, a wonderful listener base and everyone seems to be... Uh, having fun. We're getting some messages coming in from people and, uh, and kind of enjoying it, but we, we've heard, you know, more people need to hear this stuff. We need to spread this message around. So we're not the best uh, when it comes to advertising or self-promotion, believe it or not. So we'd, we'd like to appeal to you. If you have an idea for how we can get the, the word out about the podcast, please drop us a line. Let us know. Uh, if you want to spread the news yourself, please go ahead but we would love to, uh, to share this knowledge. It's like free, free therapy knowledge, free at least educational knowledge for people. We'd love to share it, spread it around. So there's, there's the pitch right there. Okay. Um, I gotta tell you guys something. Tell us. Let I'm us pretty, know. I'm pretty jet lagged. What? Oh. Jet lagged? I, I was in Italy this morning. Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I don't. You don't? No. Um, well, I was in, I was, do, I was giving a, a conference. I was a speaker at a conference in Italy, oh. but actually I wasn't in Italy. I was sitting exactly here in this very chair several hours ago, uh, speaking to uh, a lovely Italian audience over Zoom, just like we're doing right now. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. It was kind of fun to do it. It it again gives me empathy for the teachers out there who uh, who need to teach into into the void of uh, of Zoom land, staring into their computer with this this one. I was, I was really just looking at my own PowerPoint. I saw no faces, so I was just talking, you know, ninety minutes straight uh, about. Ooh. How to, how to engage men in therapy, how to get men fired up and interested in, in therapy. So yeah, it was how a fun was topic. That, how is that kind of talking to no one? Really, like you can't actually engage with people in person or is, it, is that tough? Is that you're not really going off any cues or any engagement? It is so hard, Joe, I gotta say. It is, for me, it's really difficult because I've taught classes before in the past and so much of, of my style of teaching is pretty interactive and, you know, checking in with the students and like, Hey, you guys got that point. Any questions? All right, let's move on. You know, that sort of thing, really kind of bouncing off of the, 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 the classes, seeing when their eyes glaze over and I, I need to spice it up a little bit or tell a joke. But with this, I really, <laughs> I couldn't see anybody. And it was just 90 minutes of me talking 
reading from, you know, reading from my notes, but trying to speak more extemporaneously as well about the topics and tell some stories and all of that stuff. So it was, it was okay, but I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing. When I'm sitting in this room, I'm hearing my voice bounce off the walls. I'm not getting any feedback from anybody. It yeah. was a very weird thing. I'm so curious, are you Ryan. that your uh, Wi-Fi was hooked up? <laughs> my Wi-Fi <laughs> was hooked up. Yeah, I knew there were people there at the beginning. Um, and I could see, I could see there were 100 people in the class. Uh, I guess one thing that's kind of nice is definitely didn't get nervous because I couldn't see anybody. That's good. Kind of an interesting twist on this. You know, I'm not, I didn't get stage fright, but uh, boy, oh boy, it's, it's a challenge. So yeah. I know there are a lot of, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college professors out there talking about, you know, talking in the same way. I know with, with my kids, the, the teachers encourage them to keep their cameras on and, and they do that in a lot of other classes too. But with this, the cameras were not on and wow, it's hard. It was tough. Um, I'm curious, I know I've heard you present before, Ryan, you're an excellent uh, speaker. And uh, I know sometimes you like to tell a joke at first and once you get a bit of laughter there, it kind of calms your nerves a bit. So we're able to, to pull that off. Uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I did kind of do that. My, my opening story was about, cause I was talking about men in therapy and I was talking about how my first experience with kind of a male only process group, um, you know, people talking, you know, men really sharing about, about their lives was when I was 16 years old and I was at a, uh, like a, a church camp, like a, a religious camp and and the guys in my cabin, some guy stole a bunch of cigars from his dad and we snuck out of the cabin and went into the woods and smoked cigars and uh, really had the most profound talk that really, you know, guys were talking about things that really mattered in their lives and things that were really uh, important to them. We were talking about dads, we were talking about relationships, talking about feeling scared about the future, all that stuff. And it was really a profound moment, but, and we, we ended up, we called that time the, the fellowship of the Holy smoke mm. and, uh, and continued it through the rest of high school. It was kind of that's fun. Good. Uh, that's good. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure all of the Italians were laughing, but I did not see it or hear it. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Now, the, one of the funny things also was that I, there was question and answer at the end and people would, were submitting questions in Italian to the moderator who would read off the question in Italian and then translate it into English. And then I would give my response and then it was all being translated. I, I couldn't hear the translation, but it was all being translated by someone else to the audience. Okay. Wow. This whole back and forth with the language barrier there. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. Wow, very cool. Yes, I've never been to Italy. This was the closest I've ever been. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yep, it's a fantastic place. I remember I was at a grade 12 retreat in high school and a friend also snuck out some cigars. Yeah. So I joined them and, and, uh, you know, thought we're pretty cool, but I guess I inhaled too much of that cigar and, uh, made me feel quite sick. So uh -oh. I remember throwing up behind a cabin and, and, uh, one of our vice principals came around. He's a, his name is Mr. Steele and his name is very, very, very fitting. He's like, what the heck are you doing? So I explained the situation and he's like, you know what, Monty, we're gonna, you know, give you issues. Like it seems like you're having a tough, tough time. So <laughs> you yeah. already had your punishment. Yeah. So I threw up behind a cabin for, for a while and then uh, that was it. 
haven't really been big on cigars since. Yeah, that that's not a, a habit that stuck with me, but it was it was fun at the time. A little little mischief. That's good. So everyone, send your cigar stories, send your teenage cigar stories to uh, info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. <laughs> we'll read them aloud on the air here. You, you got one too, Joe? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Uh, okay. Well, everyone else doing okay? The, uh, the winter weather, are you guys down into the, the single digits yet up there? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I say it like that often, but I do. Um, it's, yeah, it can be a little bit chilly. Uh, lots of frost in the morning. So it's one, lows of one right now, which is, what would that be, 34? Uh, yeah, I'd probably be 34. That seems about right. So, okay, it's chilly. Freezing, so 34? Yeah. Oh yeah. Does that sound like Eddie Falco's character from Fargo? (laughs) Yes, I think you're right. But uh, yeah, we got some frost on the ground, which is nice. No snow yet in uh, Vancouver. It's it's, uh, probably one of the warmer areas of Canada, so we don't get as much snow as the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Except Whistler gets a lot of snow, which blows me away, right? Yeah, the mountains do well, but like Vancouver, Metro Vancouver or Vancouver proper, lower mainland area doesn't really get very much snow, okay. which is why people make fun of us when it snows, like everyone stays home, nobody drives, we right. freak out after like one inch, um, but that's because we never really get snow. So yeah. it'll be sad this year that there won't actually be a snow day. Oh, that's right. Because everything can be virtual. Yes. Oh, that's a good point. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it is sad. It's like the greatest joy of like, hey, there's a, a snowfall warning, and then you like cancel your day and stay home. <laughs> oh, snow days are the best. We yeah. don't have them here in Southern California, but did up in Oregon, and they were the best. Yes. Oh, so good. Well, okay, guys. We should probably get to our topic. We should. Sure, there's some things to dive into here with our uh, cutting-edge mental health knowledge. Chris, are you up tonight? Uh, yep, it's to me. All right, man. So going to uh, send it your way. Throw it down to me. Right. Oh, one second here. What did I do with the text? This is the ambush, everybody. Chris knows what the topic is. The rest of us don't. And here it comes across the border. Boom, right here. Was that Morse code, Brooke? <laughs> I don't, I guess so. I didn't even realize. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. It's going to warm up the holidays here. Ready? Ready. Anger. What is it? When is it problematic? What can I do to assist with it, to help it, right? Anger, everybody. Put on your anger Chris, face. it's very fitting that you brought this up because you really have an anger problem. You should share that with the listeners. Oh, man. He's the angriest person ever. I lose my mind all the time. Just like, this is our just intervention. Like yeah. So it's actually quite the opposite. Chris is uh, cool as a cucumber. He gets angry when there's false snowfall, snowfall warnings, and that's about it. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. really, really angry at the weatherman when they call for yeah. snow and there's no snow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a true story. Yeah. That's the only thing that angers you? I've been angry a few times, but um, I'm sure we all have. But uh, for the most part, I try to be pretty calm, collected. You're a big sports fan. Don't you, do you get riled up at games? You know, do you yell at the refs and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I kind of do, actually. Not, I don't yell at the refs, but um, I, there might be some frustration. I don't know if it's anger, though. But Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So what do you guys think is, because uh, all emotions have purpose, what would you think is the purpose of anger? I have an idea. I do too. Sure. Yep. <laughs> Why don't we start you with guys go Ryan and Chris and then Joanna, you can add anything. I would be happy you. to share some. Definitely. I believe that anger is a, is our response to a violated boundary. And I believe the energy of anger is best used to to reset that boundary to find some way to reset that boundary so it's a little jargony so i'll break it down sometimes sometimes that boundary could be an actual physical boundary you know someone comes up and punches me right i might feel hurt at first and then i might feel angry hey you jerk why'd you do that and then i need to reset that boundary somehow you know it may not turn to violence but just at least getting some space from the person like resetting my physical boundary. I think if someone violates my boundary, you know, emotionally or interpersonally some way, you know, they, they call me a name, they, uh, they betray me, they, um, you know, somehow do something to, to lose, make me lose my trust to them, something like that. Then that boundary is violated and I might feel anger as a result, a result of that. And then I think it's best used again to reset that boundary if possible. So that's my thought on it. Okay. So, so mine's similar, but the way I've uh, phrased it before is anger is when you perceive or sense unfairness or injustice. Or injustice. Um, so along the same lines, That's right? I, yeah. You were going to say injustice too? Yeah, I just, I, pers I uh, think when there's anger, there's usually something perceived as unfair or unjust. So it's your response to that, whether an injustice to yourself um, or you're perceived, you're seeing it elsewhere and it's something that riles you up. I think that something that you're connected to, obviously. I agree that, that, that definitely came to mind for me as well, like immediately injustice. Um, I do think also anger serves as a purpose for motivation to change or take action. I think it's through yep. anger that we then act. So, yes. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it puts a fire in our bellies, right? Yeah, I, I like to talk with some clients sometimes who, you know, they'll say, oh, I have an anger problem and I need to get rid of my anger. I need my anger. To, I wish it would go away. And I like to talk about the positive sides of anger. Like, essentially, mm -hmm. all of the major movements in history have at some point been about anger. If you think about, uh, you know, Gandhi was uh, was angry at the the British and wanted to do something about it nonviolently, but there was some anger kind of motivating that. Uh, Martin Luther King was a, about anger. I mean, a lot of the people who were were making some big changes were were doing so out of 
out of anger, but trying to do it in a constructive, nonviolent way. That's a, such a good point, isn't it? That um, a lot of uh, anger often has a negative connotation to it. Yes. But um, a tremendous amount of good has come from anger. Yes. Yes. I think a lot of people, I think um, it's important to say that sometimes there's emotions or, you know, feelings out there that get a bad rap. Like it's not good to be angry or anger is a bad emotion, but I don't know if, yeah, you'd agree with that, but it's, it's not that you hear that Sorry, but there's no such thing as a bad feeling, right? So anger, we're all valid in feeling angry at some point, but it, you know, it's how we respond to that anger, how we show that anger or express that anger that usually is the problematic thing. Like whether people yell or swear or throw things or, you know, if it's um, hurting relationships or other people, but we're all feeling angry at some point. It's okay to be angry. It's just what we do with that anger is I think where a lot of people need support. Yes. I totally agree with you, Joe. And I I like to distinguish with clients between the, the feeling and the behavior that go, that's usually associated with that, you know, anger in itself is just an emotion and it's neutral. I think it's, I think it's non-negotiable as well. If we feel it, we feel it. I don't think there's any, stopping that necessarily but we have a choice about what behavior we're going to attach to that is it going to be hostility and violence and recklessness or is it going to be something constructive and and you know there's a lot of energy behind anger if you can harness that and try to channel it to something good i think it's really powerful so so do you think there's a tendency though to to go in that negative direction and be reactive and destructive with anger do you think that's why anger has a bad rap yes Yes. Mm-hmm. Short answer. I, I, short answer. Yes. I think people certainly get into that place where they get into you know, fits of rage. You know, people see red, like literally see red at times and they feel like they lose control and go just over the top with their anger and anger controls them at that point. Right. And I Which think Ryan, along, yes. Like I think along and I think what I'm going to say is probably similar to what Brooke might be thinking it's just biologically, like in regards to our brains, like you see red or you feel out of control because the thinking part of our brain, the brain executive functioning part of our brain that is rational or is, the, makes decisions, that goes offline when we get really escalated and we go into the feeling part of our brain, brainstem. And so we really are, yeah, we're not thinking. We're not, uh, might say things that we're not, uh, that might not be typical. We might do things that might not be typical because um, we, we're not in control, really. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there's so many physiological changes that are happening in our body to kick into that fight or flight response. It's incredible. Um, there's some research that suggests or is studied, I can't quote who did it, but five minutes of self-inflicted anger. And then they, they were looking at anger and the immune re- immunity response, immune system response. So five minutes of self-inflicted anger it took six hours for your for the immune system to go back to like the resting state to repair wow. itself to go back How to long? Wow. six hours yeah five minutes self-inflicted for immune your immune system oh, um, okay. so you can only imagine for like yeah cortisol adrenaline all of these other things in your body you go through this crazy spike and then you actually what goes up goes down we've talked about that actually many times in this podcast in various ways, whether it's through addictive substances or emotions, but you're angry, it uses so many of your bodily resources and then you crash and you go into a, like a depressive burnout stage as things get replenished. 
is remarkable what it does on the body. What do you mean by self-inflicted anger, Brooke? Yeah, or self, like self-generated anger, I should have said. It's not self-inflicted. Can you give so an example about that? Um, just making yourself angry. And so it's just, so you thinking just about something that would have made you exceptionally angry. Okay. So it's like a you're literally asking people, I want you to sit and think about something that makes you really angry. And then yeah. they did testing. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you jumped on that, Joe, because I wanted to talk maybe about the distinction between being angry at something outside of you versus being angry at yourself. Right. Ooh. Because that's, that's, that's a whole other set of issues there. Right. Like if you're angry at, at the government or a person or a family member or whatever, that's one thing you're directing at this, at this other person. And, and uh, you know, hopefully you can find a constructive use of that and try to do something helpful there. But for many people, they're directing that anger towards themselves. I'm such an idiot. I'm so, God, why did I do that? What is my problem? That sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. Or sorry, go ahead, Ron. I was just going to say, I mean, that, that, that can create a whole host of, of other, other problems. Um, including, I mean, there's an old adage that uh, depression is anger turned inward. Not all the time, of course, but that's something people would say that that's uh, that if you're angry at yourself a lot, mm. if you turn that into your into yourself. It's not coming, it's being expressed outward, but it's being turned inward. Then um, it can kind of burn a hole in you and mm. lead to depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, Joanna was talking a bit about the. Uh, biologically what's going on within our brains and the energy flows away from that prefrontal cortex area. Um, So that part of the brain helps us with um, emotional regulation, body regulation, fear extinction, intuition, empathy, morality, logic, rationality, right? A heavy, heavy list of benefits. I didn't, no. Uh, yeah. I, he just remembers this stuff. It's amazing. I don't, you're like an encyclopedia. Yeah. But, but the main thing is the compassion, the empathy can go offline, right? So to ourselves as well as other people around us, like it's amazing in that moment, you're so reactive, but you don't, you know, it's like, there's like a dehumanizing quality to that. Yeah. Well, you're dropping into a primal response, right? Yeah, like when, fight, when that fight or flight, I guess. Exactly. Right? And when you're in a primal response, you're not really capable of, those other things, empathy and compassion and uh, perspective is, is just not going to happen. Right. But we know for anger to manage it, one of the main things is being able to step away and calm physiologically calm down um, so that you can revisit what the problem is. That's right. So again, trying to get the, that, that prefrontal area or the back online neo, neocortex back online, yeah. right? And that's where people often feel remorse and they start to see how their actions are impacting people because there is often a drastic impact in, in regard to aspects of your life. And I think that kind of plays into when it becomes problematic, kind of back to our conversation on addiction. Mm-hmm. Addiction, yes. And the, Brooke, can you share a little more? about oh. the that remorse or that shame or that oh the downside. A bit, oh man oh, oh yeah no. you're you're in and out but we're good i'm okay the down part of like it? after someone's angry sometimes it could be a shame spiral or or just feeling really... no yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard sometimes going into shame so it's just you're speaking very softly 
but your face froze on this very like gentle look, gentle and compassionate, like very soft and your eyes were really big and your hand was by your mouth. It was like a Sears portrait. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good. Check, check our Facebook for everybody. All right. Yeah, along yes. with the tone, it was just, it was just. So, Joe, yeah. what we heard was anger, shame, and purple monkey dishwasher. That's what we heard. Yeah, yeah. No, and for the exactly what I said. The rebound isn't so much for the, uh, or the, what I was referencing was more the physiological rebound, not the emotional rebound. So physiologically, after a bout of anger, you're going to crash and then you're going to feel um, low energy, okay. lethargic. Um, so more, yeah, more likely... Like your immune system's been used up, so you're more likely to get like a cold or catch something as well during that time. Yeah, yeah. Not so much the shame spiral, which Ryan is kind gotcha. of more talking about now. Or and Chris, like once that comes back online and you can reflect, yeah. You start to feel that remorse or guilt or shame, and then you might turn that anger inward, which so, is unfortunate. So some people out there, I'm not sure if you three are included. Um, believe anger is a secondary emotion. Oh, to hurt? Yeah, that there's something else under the surface and it's manifesting itself or showing up as anger. Do you think there's some truth to that? Or uh, An example I like to use is when I'm driving my car down the street and there's like a bicyclist or maybe a group of bicyclists that are riding the road on the same, on the same side and one of them maybe swerves out, right? My first, I think my first initial response is fear. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to hit this guy. Oh no, he's going to hit me. Oh, what's happened? And this happens on, on, on the road as well. You know, people swerve into your lane, something like that uh, with other cars. I think there's initially fear and then it, then it turns to anger. Hey, you jerk, what are you doing? What's this idiot doing on the bike or in a car <laughs> something like that, right? So I think in that case, in some of these cases, yeah, I think, I think anger is secondary to uh, to something else, the, the fear in this case of uh oh something's going to happen or could happen to me, and I can see that happening with with hurt as well. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. think you could come up with an example where anger was the primary? I'm trying to think about it right now, but the examples, anything I'm thinking about, even personally, like when when have I been angry? It's like no more. That was actually more irritation, or um, maybe that was hurt, or or fear I don't I don't I mean I think for me that that comes from like news stories you know I hear of some someone being unjustly killed somewhere I don't I'm not I'm not feeling fear first I'm not feeling hurt first I'm ticked off like what what is going on out there you know something mm -hmm. like maybe more maybe it's something more external that I just pick up on like hey this big injustice happened what that is so wrong you know yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So maybe it can be both. Maybe it shows up as, as a secondary emotion in a lot of ways. And I guess as therapists, we need to be aware of if there's something yeah. under the surface that's driving that, or it can be a primary emotion as well. Mm -hmm. So if it is something that can be, it's, it's both, of course, anger can be towards an external source. It can be towards yourself. What are your thoughts on that? Like if you are, you know, sometimes people have a, I mean, we all have a critical voice, right? Some, some part of us that is kind of, um, you know, keeping, keeping close eye on our behaviors and our thoughts and maybe 
saying, oh, you're what a jerk, or that was a dumb thing to say or something like that. But real anger towards yourself, like, I can't believe I did this. This was so horrific. How, how do you think we can change that? Is this a matter of self-talk? Is this a matter of um, channeling it some, somewhere else? What do you think we can do with that anger? Do you think it is anger or do you think of that shame and guilt? Okay. Tell me and more. Embarrassment. Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I think it's helpful for someone to understand, first of all, the nature of why they may have responded that way or what's going on when we do get angry, right? To help understand why did I say and do those things or what could have contributed to that, um, you know, versus uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Like almost being like, oh, okay, I understand a bit about this or give yourself permission to feel a little bit and then try to help yourself maybe respond differently at a different time. Yeah. yeah. Cause people do just like, yeah, there is anger towards the self and I see it a lot with the non-suicidal self injury. So cutting and stuff um, like self punishment, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I am bad. I did bad. I'm a bad person. Mm. Uh, even if it's something small like where it's almost like a sense of i've disappointed someone or i've disappointed something and therefore i'm bad and i'm angry at myself and i deserve this hurt i yeah. deserve mm. this and the anger gets turned into that um yeah and so with that though i think it goes back to some of the previous podcasts that we've done where i would explore acceptance and forgiveness um and compassion self-compassion and how to move through that to honor those feelings, but still move through that, right? Yeah. I think it's tough, though, to do the cognitive piece when we're feeling so worked up, right? Mm -hmm. So, Brooke, you mentioned earlier that trying to calm the body down and get the energy back to where it needs to be in the brain is often a great first step to, for people to learn, right? It might be as simple as that taking some deep breaths or... You know, uh, a sports team, again, um, they call it timeout to regroup when they're feeling that they're not um, executing like they should, right? And so there's lots of ways to ground ourselves and then trying to figure out maybe what's going on under the surface or, or trying to process the, the situation. I'm trying to differentiate to um, the difference between fact and emotion. Just, just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you are that if you feel that you've done something wrong doesn't mean you're a bad person like ryan you had come up with an example about that too right um yeah. in the previous podcast about shame we are our harshest critics and we have this negativity bias as well so that first thought that pops into your mind we can't control it it's the second thought we choose to have is where that growth takes place so um if i followed around one day ryan and said all these these nasty things that may pop into your own mind like you're not good enough or you know, your joke at your conference wasn't funny or oh, thanks your a lot, shirt Chris. is really beige. Um, oh, that what, is what, so low. That's below the you belt. Probably do. You would do that. You would say you would, you would probably stand up for yourself and you would talk back to me. But why have some of those thoughts popped into your own mind? You'd probably believe it because you're the one thinking it, right? So there's this fallacy there that because of thoughts in our own minds, that it must have, must be the truth. It must be logical, but Again, we're not our thoughts. Like we have that deeper part of our mind where we can notice the thoughts popping into our minds, right? So if you're trying to focus on, on um, I don't know, working on an assignment, for instance, and you keep on thinking of fun plans for the weekend, you can catch yourself and bring yourself back to that assignment, right? So that's kind of 
where you need to notice those thoughts um, and not believe it. Don't take the bait and fixate and ruminate. Mm -hmm. That's great. I like that. Okay, so that's that's a great way to kind of talk about the the internalized anger. I think the, the original question was more about the external, and um, and it's kind of funny, or maybe it's not so funny. There, there was a movie a few years back called Anger Management that was I didn't even see it, uh, but it was about two people in an anger management group who had a lot of anger, and kind of funny seeing how they tried to to, to navigate it. Um, now it's kind of thrown around almost as a joke to people like, oh gosh, that guy needs anger management training or something like that. Uh, mm. But in reality, how can we manage our anger? I mean, one of the questions here is, is when do we know it's problematic? I think we've talked about what problem anger looks like um, when it's destructive and, and, and hurting other people or hurting ourselves. But uh, what can we do? Let's say that, you, you know, maybe pre getting into that red zone, if it's not that kind of anger where we're, completely offline and, and lost it. But, you know, people tend to say some things they regret when they're, when they're angry. Maybe they, uh, you know, step over the line a little bit here and there, maybe not be full rage, but they, uh, they can say things that they, they feel sorry for afterwards. So how can we, how can we identify that maybe and, and, and kind of head it off of the past before we get too far down the road? Yeah. I like to go over with my clients, um, Obviously, there's a lot of exploration and awareness building in therapy. So mm -hmm. exploring and becoming more aware of triggers of where you're being set off and, and exploring why those triggers exist, right? So kind of going back, like, what what is the common thread here and where did this all come from and, and what can we do about that if we have to do recorrective work when you're younger? But, um, yeah, so being aware of those triggers and and but also being aware of early warning signs or early red flags that anger is creeping up. And some of these things clients, or most often clients haven't even really sat to think about it. They mm -hmm. may be like, oh, I actually clench my fists. I clench my jaw, I feel hot. Mm -hmm. um, I notice my, my stomach feels like it's going into my chest. Like there might be physiological markers that you could notice in yourself. And as soon as you feel those markers, that means we got to go calm down for 10 or 20 minutes before revisiting what was even happening. Um, and a little similar to last week, Dennis was talking about getting caught in the reads, getting caught in the content. So often this anger is going to be, we want to, opposed to looking at what specifically was happening in the situation, but what was your emotion? in that situation that kind of triggered you and what's really going on there. So right. in, in a shorthand answer. Yeah. Awareness of triggers, awareness of physiological feelings. So you can identify your red flags, calm down faster. And after you've calmed down, then you need to go back and revisit to explore what happened there at an emotional level, not at a superficial, the dishes weren't put away in time level, but yeah. I felt overwhelmed when I came home from work because I had a big day and I didn't sleep well last night and I was overwhelmed to see the dishes. So then we're talking the emotional level. Good. Yeah. I like to, this is something I was talking about in Italy this morning. I like to, uh, a lot of times early on in, in therapy in the first few sessions, um, as I'm kind of trying to get to know somebody, I like to ask them, 
about their relationship with their emotions. I may have mentioned that on here before, but I'd like to talk to them about like, what, what's your relationship like with anger? What's it like with sadness? What's it like with fear? Including going back historically, like how was anger managed in your household when you were growing up? You know, was it, no one's allowed to be angry, so you should be ashamed of yourself if you feel that? Or was there a lot of anger and everyone was yelling and screaming all the time? I mean, these sorts of early messages can really set a, uh, a precedent for you that you're maybe not even aware of. Like, oh, wow, I've been dealing with anger my whole life. Or I've been feeling guilt or shame about my anger of trying to repress it because that was the rule of the household or whatever that might be. So I like to, to try to talk through that and think through that with clients beforehand. Um, kind of they call striking while the iron is cold. <laughs> not in the heat of the moment, way before the uh, heat of the moment comes up. And that can be insightful for them and help them become aware of, of their tendencies and kind of the messaging around uh, some of the emotions that they feel, including anger. And that might help them to say, okay, yeah, I guess uh, my, my tendency has always been to uh, to like punch first and ask questions later. Maybe I can, <laughs> that, that hasn't worked for me. Maybe we can try to different, try to find a different route here. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, we're, we're all I think big Victor Frankl fans, um, very famous um, psychiatrist and he lived through the Holocaust for four years and wrote a influential book, A Man's Search for Meaning. One of his uh, most powerful quotes is between a trigger and a reaction, there's a space and that space is your freedom to choose your response and your response lies your growth and freedom. For a lot of people who get angry, have these angry reactions is a trigger than reaction within a millisecond, but there really is a space there. And I think, you know, back to mindfulness, I can create a bit of a bigger space or choosing to again, calm the body down can, um, even counting down for five, allowing yourself to have just a few moments to reflect on the situation. Um, can make a huge difference there. I really like what you said, Ryan, about the context, right? And uh, and also, I might want to throw it out there too, maybe some unresolved grief stemming from your past. Sometimes that can show up in very chaotic ways later on in your life. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Worth the throw. So for those people who might be like, because I hear a lot of this of the I went to it was like zero to a hundred or I just snapped or they just feel like it was such a, a quick thing to happen. They just got angry. Like if there's any discussion of they didn't see it, you know, like there's yeah. that, I don't know, you hear that jargon a lot. Um, so we would say to those people as well, like we really want to work on slowing it down and recognizing some signs. And it's more that people might not even be aware of what, like Brooke, you said, what's even happening physiologically. So we yeah. want to kind of provide that education, help people know what to look for because it's not necessarily like this, even though it feels like it because people it's are true. like, it, I feel like it just happens. Um, Cause I, that's a good point. Yeah. It's actually a myth, an anger myth that I just snapped or I, I can't control my anger. Um, there is things you can do to respond to it. Right. Yeah. Or the other one that often pops up is I react this way because you said that, or because you did that. So mm -hmm. externalizing, pointing the finger, and blaming others for your anger. Those are very dangerous paths. It's going to keep you stuck as well and, and probably alienate the people closest to you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's not easy. I'm not trying to minimize that, of course. Um, my goodness, the body can be flooded with your stress hormones pretty darn quickly. Mm -hmm. But there were probably signs, as you guys were just saying, there were probably signs throughout the day that something was brewing, right? So sometimes we can talk about those as vulnerability factors. 
So if you were to reflect on your day, like, uh, did you sleep well? Have you eaten? Did, were mm -hmm. you drinking water? Did you get some exercise? Did you have sunlight that day? Did you, were you connecting well with others? If you were to reflect on your day, chances are there were some vulnerability factors that led you to a point where you're almost at a boiling point. And then something small happens, like maybe you drop your driver's license into a lake and you can't get it back. <laughs> that happened to me on the weekend. I didn't get angry about it, but I waved yeah. goodbye to my driver's license as it sunk into a river in a very slow, lovely pattern. Anyway, but in that moment, like if you had all these vulnerability factors, you might have like blown a fuse. Yeah. You, you I, I come also, from a family of, of people who blow fuses for yeah. sure. And so you, like when you think about it, you're like, oh, they're just having a moment. But if you break it down, you could probably see it coming. Yeah. And, and they're unaware of that. Yeah. You know, what's also interesting is some people say, I want to get angry because I don't want to be victimized. And so it's a defense mechanism. But what they don't realize is they're being victimized every single time because they're not able to control those reactions. Right. So if you truly don't want to be victimized, you want to be in, respond and not react in those moments. Because if you're just reacting and being angry based on what other people are doing, then you have zero control over your life, right? Um, mm. You know, your, your phone alarm not going off in the morning is going to get you angry. Mm. Um, burning your toast, traffic, all these things are going to trigger this reaction, right? So I guess what we're really talking about is trying to find ways to get that control back a bit and respond and not react. Because mm -hmm. those things build up too, though, right? If you're not paying attention to those things, they all of a sudden start piling. So you know what? That toast will set someone off. If they just, and it'll almost be this mind frame of, oh, see, the world's against me, or things just feel like they're falling apart. So it's good to try to check in with your pile or see what's building up a little bit. Um, check in with your pile, will. everybody. Yeah, or whatever. Maybe there's a better, <laughs> not a pile, whatever. But I just from Joanna this week. Check I love your it. Pile. Check your pile. But That's I just great. Instagram I post number one. <laughs> because it's yeah, if it's the toast and then something else, you're late or it just is like it, yeah. And you're you're blaming the external world, but you're like, okay, obviously I'm really getting triggered here or riled up. What's going on with me? Like, what's happening here? What do I need to check in with? Um, yeah. everyone get ready for our, uh, for our Christmas gifts. We're going to have, uh, mugs that say mental health bootcamp podcast. <gasps> Check in with your pile. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. I think that'd be great. That would be good. That's a ring <laughs> to it. I, like it. Store. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> Guys, don't be mad at me, but we got to go. Uh, I know. It. We can I'm definitely angry. do more. We can do more angry stuff, anger stuff in the future, but uh, for now, we must say farewell. So, uh, let's spread this podcast around and uh, like and subscribe. Come to Apple, Google, Bot, Podbean, or YouTube. Send your questions or comments to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram, where we'll have some good pictures for you this week, I'm sure. And tell a friend or a dozen. And uh, that's it for us, you guys. Have a good night. Bye bye. Bye, bye everyone. See y'all.
Thank you.